Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Solar Report podcast. We are super excited that you decided to join us whatever day you're pressing play on this. Thanks for stopping by and hanging out with us for a while. My name is John. I'm the host of the Solar Report podcast, and I'm joined, as always, by Matthew Paulissi. Matthew, what's going on, my good friend? Nothing much. How you doing, John? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Good to hear, man. It was a decent week in uh, the world of the Phoenix Suns, and for those of you who are new to our podcast, you know, that's that's what we do. We sit around, we talk Phoenix Suns, you know, pop open a couple beers and just talk about the team that we love that plays down at Talking Stick Resort Arena at 201 East Jefferson Street. That is our passion, the Phoenix Suns. We love watching them, and hopefully you enjoy tuning in and listening to our thoughts on the team. And if you have feedback on the team or our thoughts, you know, we're more than receptive to hear those. So stop by our Facebook page or Instagram page or our Twitter page to let us know what you're thinking. We're going to be actually talking week 14. Can you believe it's already 14 weeks into the NBA season, dude? Honestly, yeah, I can believe it because everything goes by so fast. And I'm a big believer with Eddie Johnson that the... Oh, <laughs> are we going to get into this right now? Or? Go for it. Oh, okay. Just the 82-game season. So it goes by so quick. That's yeah. why I love... The amount of games we have now, mm-hmm. so I'm not surprised. Short answer, no, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, but 14 weeks. I what mean, was the question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about it, 14 weeks, I mean, right now, if this was like fantasy football, you would be in your playoffs, and you'd be like, you know, a week or two away from your championship game, and already, just like that, we've gone through 14 weeks of NBA basketball. So, you know, that's what we're going to be talking about today is the week 14 recap for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, we'll go over the games, the weekly notes. Uh, we have a new segment today called the Matthew Paulissi Roster Rundown. It's something new we'll try. Uh, and then we'll do our Week 15 preview. So without further ado, let's let's do like we always do. Crack open a Starbucks. Yeah, crack open a teeth-cracking cold Starbucks <laughs> and talk Phoenix Suns basketball. All right, so week 14 for the Phoenix Suns. They went 1-2 and two on the week and are now 19-26 and 26 on the year, which is good for 10th seed in the Western Conference. So we're only two seeds out from the playoffs. Uh, compare this again to last year. We were 11-34 and 34 through 45 games last year. And two years ago, we were 16-29. and 29. So 19-26, and 26, still have plenty of work to do. You know, we're definitely a very schizophrenic team who is never too hot, never too cold, unless it's an eight-game losing streak, (laughs) you know. But here's what's interesting. You look at 10 years ago, the last time we were in the playoffs, we were 26-19 and through the first 45. So, I mean, that's that's where you want to be right now. That's obviously not where we're at. This week saw us play three different games. We had two against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, sandwiched around a Pacers game that happened on Wednesday. So we're going to start by talking about those games, what we saw, and then we'll discuss a couple other interesting Suns updates and and the Matthew Paul Lissy roster rundown. So uh, (laughs) anything you want to add before we delve into these games, Matthew? Yeah, so I have something. It's just basically if we had this, if we told ourselves, and I hate when people do this, but if you told yourself this would happen and this actually happened, like would you think this is going to happen? You know, like, you know, if, if like uh, Aaron Rodgers threw five touchdowns in a game, would you say they won the game? Oh, yeah. yeah. But then they lose. <laughs> so that's so what I'm thinking is like with the Suns record, being what it is, if you told me that it was going to be this, 
before the season started, be like, no, we're not making the playoffs. But it's such a different West this year it where really we actually is. have a chance. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm happy about that or not, but I know our mark was 30 games. Mm-hmm. So we're headed that way. So I feel pretty decent. I yeah, don't know. it's 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 I'm like not a, on meds anymore. <laughs> I, I got off the meds, so well it's it's like a lukewarm feeling. Yeah. Because if you told me we were nineteen and twenty six nearing the end of January, I'd be like, Okay, there's no way in hell we're going to the playoffs. But the West has been very different this year. It has Golden State hasn't been who they're supposed to be. Sacramento is not as potent as I thought they were gonna be. You know, some of the teams that are doing very well are doing just that. Very, very well. And then you kind of have this collection of teams in the middle, and then like third tier teams, which is kind of where the Suns are stuck at right now. We're stuck in that third tier. And that's what makes this week kind of interesting because we played another third tier team, which was the San Antonio Spurs, twice. Yes. So there was that opportunity to kind of bring it to the next level. And unfortunately, you know, we didn't play as well as we had probably hoped. No. And it starts off with a, um, a very ugly looking guy in the Spurs, Forbes. Who's, who hits a three at the beginning of the game. I swear, I told myself this. I was like, this is a guy that's going to go off. Yeah. And he does. It, there's always one Spurs it's that always, just goes crazy. It's always one guy on some team. But mm-hmm. it, when the Spurs play, it's it's worse because they're all pretty hideously looking. They look like they actually work part-time at SeaWorld. I don't know where <laughs> they get these guys. So that's what I think about when they're playing us. And so I just... Him making as many threes as he did... And then the next game we play them, he doesn't do anything. Oh, I know. That's just the luck the Suns have. And that's what we've been running into almost every game. And I wonder, you know, again, I've watched the Suns really exclusively. You know, I have the NBA Game Time channel or whatever it is on DirecTV. You know, I don't do League Pass, so I don't really get to see consistent teams play. Yeah. But I do, you know, watch snippets of other games. And I don't really notice, like, are we the only team that just gives some no-name guy a career night every time we play? Because it's yeah. what it feels like. They usually have to be shooting, like, 22% from three yes. in order to have a great game against yes. us. Yes, you're so. like, oh, this is... It, it's funny because you'll literally watch, like, the keys to the game on Fox Sports Arizona. And they're like, listen, so-and-so's out tonight, so we should be fine on on offensive rebounding. And then we just can't get a rebound to save <laughs> exactly, our life. You know, yeah. like, whatever the weaknesses of the team that we're playing against, we somehow turn it into a strength for them. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that kind of time and time again yeah it's always a big letdown and i think it's just um something um something that is mental yes and if you go into a game and someone's out and you think you're gonna dominate it never happens unless you're like an all-time great you've been playing for years or you're just a good team yeah or you're just a good team you know i would say you know i mean a good team takes away the opponent's strengths and makes them weaknesses and if there's a weakness they make sure it stays a weakness yeah so let's talk about that first game that was on monday night we played against the san antonio spurs and the suns only lost by two points in this game it was 120 to 118 and i don't know what it is but whenever you play san antonio there's just like the specific disdain you have for the opposition it's all that history that we've gone through with that team it's like I'm trying to think in sports if there's any other team I truly disdain the way that I do the San Antonio Spurs. You know, in in football, I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan, so like I really don't like the Seahawks, but they've never truly hurt my feelings, I feel. Like we always do a good job of going up to Seattle and beating them. Uh, As a Dodger fan in baseball, like I can't stand the Giants, but they haven't really tore my heart out the way that the Spurs have done time and time again against the Phoenix Suns. And it's really tough because I feel like anytime you play the Spurs, you have to be everybody who's wearing gray that night. And that includes the Spurs and the refs. 
Yes. It, it's it's so tough. And so mentally there's that barrier, at least as a Suns fan. You know, I'm sure that a lot of these guys, are, I mean, Aaron Baines is a free agent. He's from Australia. I, I'm sure he doesn't give two craps about the Suns for rivalry. But, you know, you look at it. Speaking of Baines, he wasn't even in this game. And I felt kind of confident as this game went on early because he let Czech Diallo play. And yes. he looked good in the first half. He went three for four with six points and three boards in that first half. You know, why, why do you think he doesn't get more playing time? The only thing he doesn't do okay, um, and it's a, a lot of younger players. Um, he's been in the league for a little bit, a couple of years, but it's just a defensive end. He always gets lost. Um, True. That's the only thing. But offensively, I feel like he's a very smart player, dude, because he can get to the spots where he needs to be, and he has his long arms, and he uses it. He, he gets to the ball quickly. He has this like extra stretch that DeAndre Ayton doesn't have, and he can actually get to the ball, an offensive rebound if he needed it, if, if the Suns need it desperately. And he seems like to always come through with his little jump shot. He seems to be very efficient, and uh, for some reason, he's not playing games. He'll play decent, which is better than what we've had off the bench. He'll mm-hmm. play decent, and then he won't play the next game. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, so you still play like a Kobo... And you play Carter, who don't, they don't do anything. They might score 11 points in a game, maybe, but it's not helping the team out. Mm-hmm. I know it's points, but I'm just saying, I think Diallo has something that's more of just like, he is trying out there. And he, I feel like, knows his role. And offensively, I think he's not great, but he's been doing a good, decent job. I agree. And he's got that kind of pogo stick feel. I mean, he's got that quick second jump and that allows him to get to boards more. And I do like his mid-range kind of floater game. I mean, it's been really effective. And it's one of the reasons I feel like Aaron Baines is really expendable on this team. You know, we've talked about it before. I've written articles on Valley of the Suns about it, about how his contract expires at the end of the season. So why not trade him and get something for him? And kind of some of the pushback is like, okay, well, who's backing up eight? And it's like Diallo. Yeah, You know, he's a third-year player, third or fourth-year player. He's got the pogo stick. You know, again, it's probably like Baines. He shouldn't get a ton of minutes because that's when defenses can really, or I'm sorry, the opposing team can exploit his defensive, you know, kind of being lost, if you will. And uh, But again, you know, in this Spurs game, he came out. He was looking pretty good. So I was like, okay, you know, we're down by, I think, six at the end of the first quarter. As time went on, you know, I mean, we had a good first half. We shot 46.5% from the field, but we're down 15 at halftime. And why is that? Well, one, the Spurs outscored the Suns 38 to 25 in the second. And then to your point, this Brian Forbes dude, okay, a guy I've never heard of. He was like an Alicia Keys song out there, dude. This dude was on fire. Hmm. Hmm. That was, a, that was a bad impression. Do you do that every podcast now, Alicia Keys? Or no, the, the last one was uh, actually ba- it was Backstreet Boys. I was like, oh. tell me why he was okay. Backstreet Boys, dude. <laughs> okay. Get with your late 90s pop already. But he was 7 for 8 from downtown in the first yeah. half. He hit the buzzer beater at the end of the first half where like, Ubre was all over him. And he still just like throws up Hail Mary's yeah, nothing matter. but net. You know, so kind of to what you were saying earlier, it's like we always just make some guy look you know like he's unstoppable out there it's like every night we're facing a new michael jordan you know he alone made more threes than the suns did they had four in the first half he had seven so but do you expect anything else from the suns i don't even expect three points no I, I not anymore i don't I mean it's, it's sad you know, i never want someone to take a three-point shot even booker who's still struggling i think mentally shooting mm-hmm. the three i don't think he's hurt anymore ej says something about that the last game where he's like he doesn't think the injury with the form is a big deal anymore 
It shouldn't be a, at this point. And he thinks it's more mental. And yeah. I think that's what it is too. So I hope he gets that back. But even when he's shooting it, I'm like, don't shoot threes. Yeah. Everyone just shoot the mid-range. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'm we, hopping on that thing because they cannot make anything. Well, we can't. And, and there's a reason. It's because they can't make it. Yeah. You, know, you feel this way because it's like, okay, let's just waste a possession here and just throw up a ball. We don't get the rebound probably nine out of ten times. So it's just like, oh, well, that was a quick possession. Yeah. You know, but you look at in this game at halftime that cooled Brian Forbes off because the rest of the game he went one for five, in, you know, shooting. So he goes in the halftime, he cools off. But then this Derek White guy, another guy I've never heard of, <laughs> and know. he had like a six head. He picked it up and he had twelve a points. Six in, head, yeah, he, yeah, not a four head, not a five head. That yeah. dude's got a six head. That's what I'm saying. These guys on the Spurs. <laughs> Did, at least does, make doesn't this decent. guy work at UPS normally? Yeah. Like. Where, did he, on, where does Popovich find these guys? But he had 12 points in the second half, uh, and it was nearing a blowout because the, the Spurs were up like 20 points, and I was like this close to turning it off. You know, one thing I will give this team versus teams in the past few years is their resiliency. They continue to kind of fight back, and if you look at 701 left in the fourth quarter to 355 left in the fourth quarter, you know, so like that three-minute run right there, the Spurs were up. 15 points at that point. It was 108 to 93, and then the Suns put a run on. And for that spurt during that time frame, the Suns went on a 15-0 run. The shots stopped falling for San Antonio. Uh, they were 0 for 6 from the field, whereas the Suns were 5 for 6 from the field. And it was everybody. You know, you look at that 15-0 run, how many points do you think Booker had of that 15 points? Two. Two. Yeah. He had two. Actually, I did guess that, yeah. That uh, was a good guess. Yeah, good guess, huh? <laughs> Aiton had six. Oubre had five. Booker and Rubio both had two. It was a team run on offense and defense. It's tough because you wanted to win this game, but seeing that spurt really instilled me with a lot of confidence in this team You know that we've seen kind of time and time again is there is a potential for this team. In years past, you'd be like, dude, we're done. Like, we're down 20 in the third quarter. Like, I'm going to go down the street and I'm going to go to Macayo's and go get myself a carne asada Baja burrito because it's going to be more enjoyable than watching the rest of this game. And that's yeah. not the case in this with this team this year. They have the offensive ability they just don't execute it consistently enough you know the game came down to the final shot and you know i think it was like 5.8 seconds we had the ball we're down by two and then booker gets the ball and, and shoots a 33 foot jump uh three-pointer so what are your thoughts on that shot a three isn't bad i don't think the thing is they had no, five go for seconds. the go for the win i'm all for that yeah because you've played the whole second i don't even think booker wasn't out the whole second half he played the whole second half mm -hmm. and most of the team did play the whole second yep. half and you can see it on their faces i felt it dude just laying on my bed yeah, they all were tired full of cheese all over my chest just like what kind of cheese just cheese oh not mozzarella I, don't know, I just found it but um <laughs> when i'm laying there with cheese on my chest i'm just like Dude, I can feel their pain. Like, it almost gave me a heart attack watching them play. Like, I felt bad almost in a way. I'm like, is this okay to do? Is this okay for them to actually fight through this and get through the, you know, them being tired? Mm -hmm. And they came so close. And, of course, the Spurs hit two threes towards the end that were really Huge, big. Yeah. And they were still not good threes. Like, they were covered. They weren't wide open. Yeah. They were just jacking these shots off all game. All game. Um, but the three that Booker shot, no, it wasn't a good shot. And no. it's just like... Set a screen, and you had Aiden wide open going to the rim, hit him, and then he can pass it back out. I think it was Rubio that was wide open, too. Mm -hmm. I know you don't trust him to shoot the three, but I would rather... And where's Oubre? Oubre is the clutchest Suns three-point shooter in history. <laughs> he is. This year, he's hit three. Yeah. And I know he won't hit them all game, but he will hit the big shot. Mm -hmm. So, no, it's not a good shot. And it's it's annoying. It reminds me of like the Lakers game kind of earlier in the season yes. when they came back, they had a chance to win it and they were just missing these wide open threes 
and they had a chance to win it. And this is one where I know they came back and they were exhausted, but they had to make a they had to draw up a better plan than that. I know that wasn't the play. I think Booker just wanted to hit well, that shot. And if it hits it, it's awesome. It's awesome. You miss it. This is what well, happens. I think probably the play was just that shoot it up, but get yeah. the board. And I think that's what the game plan was. But there's no time was. for a board, though. Well, but there was five seconds. There's almost six seconds left. He got that ball, and he shot it with three seconds left. Yeah. A board and a putback, and you're good. That's what I think it could have been. You know, yeah, Booker should have passed it down to Aiton. If Aiton goes up and gets fouled, but, you know, and, now he's and on he the line. he had to switch, too. He had the mismatch. Yeah, he had And yeah. the thing, what I thought would have happened, if he would have went up against, I think it was um, the rookie from last year. I forget his name. Oh, freaking Lonnie out. Walker? Lonnie Walker, yeah. yeah. He came over to, to Pineapple get, head? Yeah, to take, a, yeah, to take over and... Uh, take on Aiden in the key or in the paint and if he would have had the ball he would have went up for a shot maybe couldn't have just laid it up over him maybe yeah. got a foul yeah. it would have been an and one could have been an and one so I mean there's always that but you just want to have a good play and you have to like actually go through with the play and just make sure that you get the better shot they yeah. didn't do it when I think the last great obstacle for Booker offensively is to learn how to get off a good game winner you know, I thought it, once this play happened, it reminded me of the the game I was at when they played against Denver. They fought all the way back against Denver, and then they, you know, Booker threw up some hail mary shot and yeah. it actually got blocked in that game. So it was a good game. You know, we only lost by two. We were getting our asses kicked. It should have been way worse, and it wasn't. So I'm thankful but it for was, that. It was fun, honestly. It was so much fun. The, that I know that they were run getting, was yeah. so much fun to watch because it's like the Spurs just kept bricking shots. They were it's missing everything. Everything. And it's like you said, they they threw up two threes that just happened to go in after that 15-0 yeah. run, and that's what really kind of sealed it for It balanced them. out basically from the first half. Yeah, it really yeah. did. And that's what happens if you keep playing hard. And this, Like you said, in years past, the Suns would not do that. Mm-hmm. And that's the frustrating thing. And. This year, I think I think they have a coach that's going to kick their ass. And I agree. Make them, and especially Booker this year. Yep. Where he's not going to give up. Well, and he's really starting to take another step, which we'll talk about here in a bit. Yeah. Uh, I do think that the game probably didn't almost give you the heart attack. It's probably the cheese that was on your chest. So. Oh yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, the next game was the Pacers against the Suns. The Pacers won 112 to 87. This game was a thorough, getting your teeth kicked in kind of game. Thankfully, you know, I will say that this is a game I had the pleasure to go to, I guess. It's not really a pleasure to go to a game in which the your your team is getting pummeled by the opposition, but you know, at least you're suffering with company, I guess, versus like sitting alone getting frustrated at home or or sitting with a couple people at home, you know. Yep. At least you're like in a stadium full of people who are like, "What the hell is going on?" You know, it's like it's this human connection. Uh, yeah. That kind of happens of misery that you everyone know, knows exactly the time to boo. Yes, and then like Aiden dunks once, the whole place goes, goes crazy. Goes crazy, and we're like, but "That's what you should be doing." And everyone's like yelling mean. the same thing, and you're like, "Okay, yeah. I am a, a Suns fan." There's a guy in a Don jersey sitting 15 rows below us. <laughs> yeah, we're, like, wait, what's this guy doing down <laughs> here? They're not even playing. Anymore. You know, get this <laughs> yeah. guy out of here. You know, but. I guess that's one thing I got for for anybody listening to this podcast who lives in Phoenix. Make sure you get out to go to some games because it's just such a different experience. I think six a year. Try to get to six. Yeah, I think that's a good number. And do it right now while the prices are low. Not yeah. saying that they're going to be higher next year, but well, they're going to do that whole re- stadium refurb, yeah, so yep. they'll probably jack and up some prices. You can see prices. that going on too. Yeah. yeah, but get out there and go support the team because again, you know they lost by I can't even do the math on that, but they lost by a ton to the Pacers. Like when I saw the Suns scored eighty-seven points, I was like, "Wow, we scored that many!" Like I felt like we n- didn't get any shots in. The three balls were not falling. I'm like, "This is just a horrible game." But again, I was surrounded by friends and and other fans, and we were just having kind of a good time with it. 
but let's not lie, it was an old-fashioned ass-kicking. You know, it was TJ Warren's coming back to Phoenix party, and I was I was pleased to see that he was greeted with cheers. And what was interesting is when they did the starting lineups, he's the first guy that they introduced. Mm-hmm. They're like, TJ Warren. And I was like, yeah. And then, like, but they're already on to like the next guy. I was like, man, they should have done him last and give us a chance to kind of cheer him because I am a big TJ Warren fan. Oh, yeah. I've always been. Yeah. There I was felt- almost a time there where like I liked him over Booker, you know, when he was on Yeah, the team. because he was the, yeah. he came, you know, we drafted him a year before uh-huh. Booker and he was kind of like the guy you're like, hey, Booker and Warren could be something. Yeah. And he has such a weird game where it's just like basically he's going to get you buckets and he picked up the three pointer later on. I don't know his percentage this year. But I know last year he was shooting over forty percent. Mm-hmm. So he's he's gonna he's gonna score. That's all he is. Yeah, he's a he's a, a scorer, and you yeah. know you could rely on him. And when him and Booker were playing well together, that's when you had hope in the Suns. It's like okay, at least we have two scores. Exactly, Whereas right yeah. now, you know, we definitely have scores all over. We just don't know who's going to be a consistent score. T.J. Warren was always a, a consistent score. He was, yeah. You look at this game, he responded to being back in Phoenix because he went 11 for 18 from the field in true TJ Warren fashion, didn't shoot a three-pointer, and he led everybody by scoring 25 points in this game. Uh, You know, the Suns were down by six at halftime, came out in the third and just laid an egg. They only scored 17 points in the third. If you look statistically, the third quarter is our strongest quarter as a team. Uh, The team averages 28.7 points per third quarter. And, I mean, to only score 17, it was kind of over from there. You know, this is the as poor as I've seen them play all season. Definitely the poorest I've ever seen them play in person. But uh, they had their worst assist percentage game of the year. Only 43.3% of the field goals were assisted. Their second worst offensive rating game of the year. Their second worst shooting night of the year. And the least amount of threes made in a game. So happy we could be there in person for that one. <laughs> but yeah, and most of it I really do think is just exhausting. I know it was two days ago they played a game and it was at home when they came back against the Spurs. But I think they were just exhausted still from that. And that's what I thought about after the Spurs game. I'm like, I feel like this team is going to be, it's going to carry over to the next game. Yeah, that was a mentally challenging it game. It was. It's something I feel like I've never seen a team try to do before where yeah. they just went all out for the last, the second half. Mm-hmm. And, um, the thing is, though, with the Pacers, man, they, they are legit. They're actually one of the best teams, of course, in the East. They are overlooked because they're from Indiana. Mm-hmm. But they have such a solid roster. You got Brogdon. He went out through that game, right? He didn't play the rest of the game. Yeah, I don't remember coming back. Yeah, he never came back. Um, but that's a dude, too, that I had on my list before Rubio that I wanted the Suns to get. Yes. I'm not going to say, like, we should have got... Like, I'm very happy with Rubio. Yes. But that's what they have. They have basically a little bit of a better Rubio on their team. And Brogdon, that can hit the threes. He's mm-hmm. a better shooter, but he is a point guard first, so where he will find the open shooter, and he is a playmaker. So they have a legit team without Oladipo. And Sabonis looks amazing. Oh, yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, he, he is. His footwork is just That's pristine. What I was, and I was going to say that, like, his footwork is something that DeAndre should study. He should. Because if he gets sat down, which he can, like, he's basically the same size as him. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, I he doesn't have that part of the game yet, but Sabonis is something where I think DeAndre can be. I know we keep comparing him to players, but well, of seriously, course you're, like, you're, you're going to right now because yeah. we're trying to find what that identity is for DeAndre Ayton. Because I have it on the in, in my notes on this game. It's like what happened to Da in this game when you go up against the Knicks and you get 26 points and 21 boards and you look like a dominant center, and then you have a decent game against the Spurs, and you come out and then like. You know, he had a dunk in the in the second quarter, and he looked all mean and was flexing out. And we're like, okay, it looked like we'd w- awoken kind of the giant, if you will. And then it it just didn't. You know, he made his last shot with four weight left in the third. And like the majority of this team, 
you know, minus Devin Booker, he's a schizophrenic player. Like, he's not consistent. He can come out and he has the ability to dominate, but we're trying to find out who he is. Is he a Kevin Garnett archetype? Is he a Shaq archetype? Is he a Kim Olajuwon archetype? You know, at the end of the day, he is a DeAndre Ayton archetype. And we're just trying to ha- understand what we can compare that to, but none of it matters if he's not consistent. Again, he's a young guy. He's got a lot of learning and growing to do, but you just you you hope to see consistency start to set in. And he has been consistent this season, and this is just an off night for not only him and the rest of the team, but you know, when you go against players like Sabonis, that's when you really kind of see where his deficiencies lie. Yeah, and that's one point I wanted to make with Aiton in this podcast was we went through this with Booker where he was so inconsistent. You can see the greatness, and even the first season, I thought he is Kobe Bryant-esque, but it's a consistency. Mm-hmm. He never got there till this year. Yeah. So we put up with games like this with Booker. For a long time. The first season, the second season, the third season. Where he'll put up the numbers, he'll average the numbers, but there's so many inconsistent games where you have to deal with. Now mm. Booker is so consistent where oh, I know. we don't even have to worry about it. No, it's an auto- it's automatic. That's why like I he think, had a twelve point game and you're like, Whoa, that's yeah. weird. Well, that's why I think too, like Aiton should be allowed to have these games. I know it sucks because we want to win because of Booker, but we have to realize Aiton's gonna take maybe even longer and he needs to go through these games and learn in the seasons. It's going to take a couple seasons yes. for him to be consistent and dominant. If you look at the other bigs that were drafted in the draft with him, they're good too, but they are so inconsistent, just yeah. like Aiden. Yeah. They, they all are. That's the way it is. And I know Trey Young and um, Dodgers made the All-Star team, but they're guards. They're guards. They figured it out. They've been playing the same way their whole lives. Their usage rate is skyrocket yeah, high, so they get, a lot, they get a lot of opportunities to make those plays. Yeah, so it is frustrating. You want him to be, but he's going to be good, and... It just sucks to see it now because we want to win because of Booker. We're scared that he's going to leave, but we just have to be patient with this dude. It's not yes. Alex Len. It's not no, another amen. jabroni the out there. The there. Yeah. So we know. just got to be patient with him. No, good point. Uh, I Lastly, I got some advanced stats for you if you want to hear them on oh, this yeah. game. All right, here we go. The Pacers, 14 screen assists for 40 points. The Suns, 10 screen assists for 21 points. So, again, I will... Take my flag and plant it on Screen Assist Mountain. It matters. It does uh, matter. TJ Warren had the highest usage rate for the Pacers this game with 30.8%. <laughs> Do you know who had the highest usage rate for the Suns? Okobo. Nope. Oh, who? Kelly I test. Kelly Oubre. Oh, really? 28.4. Oh, because you know, you have, you know why though, right? Why? Just because you gave away Warren and you have Oubre. Ah, so it was Ubre versus Warren. It was, and I knew I knew Warren was going to get his points. Well, if Ubre is leading in usage rate, then we will lose by a ton to the Pacers. That's what I've learned. Yeah, but dude, I'm telling you, that last game against the Spurs had a big thing to do with the the lay, the A that was laid. No, I think you're absolutely you know right. I mean? it, it was a mentally and physically fatiguing yeah. affair. So, and, well, uh, speaking of the Spurs, and again. Here we, here we, here we, here we are again. again at the Spurs. So Friday night, the Suns beat the Spurs 102 to 99. So three points. So if you look at it overall, plus minus on the week versus the Spurs, the Suns are plus one because we lost by two and we won by three. So take that, you Spurs. (laughs) Uh, But again, second time in the week that we played them. This time the Spurs went with the camo jerseys. What are your thoughts on that jersey choice? Honestly, I've never liked the Spurs colors or anything. So anything they do is ugly. But these are like another level of ugly. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it is. And nothing to diss camo. Sometimes camo looks good. 
But this well, is see, just this bad. is where I disagree with you. You think okay? it always looks bad? I can't stand camo. And oh here, yeah, you know I only I, did that because you're a veteran. Well, so I was, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, no, we'll see. I didn't want you I, to throw I, your latte at me. I think that's why I can't stand camo. You know, I appreciate a military tribute. You know, thank you for everybody who served. You know, I personally uh, think that camo is just ugly, and pro- that's probably because I had to wear it for ten years as a member of the, the United States Army. But man, whenever I see camo, it's like San Antonio does it, like the Padres do it. Yeah, and I can't stand it whenever Honestly, they do Honestly, the Padres it. aren't that bad. I kind of like their for blue some ones are okay. Maybe because they have sleeves. I think when you have camo, you don't have the sleeves. Yeah. It looks bad. I'm not saying bring back the sleeve jerseys. No, please God, no. Don't do that. But for some reason on basketball uniforms, it doesn't look good. Yeah, I did not like the way that looked. And that's our takeaway for this. There you go. That's all <laughs> I have to say about the Spurs versus Suns yeah. part two. No, uh, it felt like a typical Spurs Suns game right off the bat. You know, I don't know if you noticed, but it looked like Vin Diesel was out there refereeing again right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the second time in a week we've got Vin Diesel wrestling, uh, refereeing our games for us. Yeah. But he came out with you know bad calls right at the at the beginning. I just hate seeing that because again, it's just that that mental barrier of getting past the Spurs always involves the referees. So if I see any call, I'm like, oh, here we go again. But the Suns were down what six points at the end of the first quarter. And they had a killer second quarter. I mean, they shot. That's that's their thing. Yeah, yeah. But they they responded well to you know being down six. They shot sixty one percent from the field. Booker had eleven. Ubre and Sarge both had nine in the second. That's all in the uh-huh. second. And in doing so, they outscored the Spurs thirty four to sixteen. So again, it, it was much akin to the fourth quarter earlier in the week where they just kind of shut them down offensively. So they played great defense and scored on the other end. And they ended up leading by twelve at halftime. But as per usual, when the third quarter started, they started letting the Spurs back into it. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting about this game to me versus games in the past, the Suns never relinquished the lead. The Spurs got close, but the Suns always had an answer in this game. And it was, Mm -hmm. it's like they almost took the Indiana game off knowing, hey, this is a really good team coming from the East. We just played the Spurs. Let's get ready. And when we play them again, we're going to beat them. And we're going to have the mental toughness to do so. Yeah. And I'm all, I almost hope that Spurs game, when they came back and played that way, was kind of like that mental barrier that they've been trying to break through to become a winning team. Because the way that they held off the Spurs on Friday night was truly impressive. Yeah, you might say impressive, but I just think it was the Spurs not making threes. It, that's part Simple of it. Simple as that. They weren't making but, but their we threes. But were, we were still having good defense on the three. They weren't wide open three-pointers the whole game like they typically are, I feel. Yeah, I don't know. I don't <laughs> Honestly, watching the fourth quarter, man, I seriously, I was like, that's going to, oh, game, oh, timeout, call timeout. But the Spurs kept missing. That's all it is. I know it's so basic, and I know I don't know basketball like the great historians do, but they just missed their threes, and I thought they were good looks. That's what I'm going to take from it, and we got we didn't get lucky. We played hard, They and they didn't give up the lead. But they didn't also let them make threes. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you who else couldn't make any <laughs> threes was bad. Kelly Oubre, man. Oh, dude. Well, he's got. He's gotten worse. The whole team's gotten worse. There's something going on. I'm not sure. They got too hot too early this season from three. I, I think they did. They need to do something. They got to fix something. That, yeah, and that the whole trade. It's we'll do 2020. Trade time. Yeah. Like shoot the three ball and make it. Yeah. Uh, Sarge did the dirty work in this game. He had 20 points, and he had a huge offensive rebound with 104 left, and that kind of sealed the deal. Yeah. And what was interesting is what Sarge said after the game. Oh, with Booker. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's the best player I ever played. You know, it's, it's you know I saw Joel, I saw the Ben, I saw the Connington Towers. You see, lot of good guys, but I think Book is like just different. Level. I think he can score multiple times on multiple levels, and it's just amazing to have him in the team. 
You know, I think that's that's saying a lot coming from Dario Sarch. He has played with some really good players, and you know, Booker's a different level of player right now. You look at this game; he had thirty-five and ten. Mm-hmm. And an interesting stat that I saw is this is the tenth time that Booker has gone for thirty plus points and ten plus rebounds in his career. In the first five years of their NBA career, here's who else has achieved this feat. Now, there's like Booker's like the twentieth guy to do it in his first five years. Number one of all time is Oscar Robertson. He did it 133 times in his first five years. Uh-huh. Like Booker's at 10. KJ did it 30 times. Jordan did it 24 times. LeBron did it 22 times. Trey Young has done it 16 times. And Luka Doncic has already done it 13 times. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but again, I mean, Saric praising Booker. And we talked about it on last week's pod. And I think it bears repeating. The game has become very easy for him. He hit a, a couple shots. I mean, he hit a corner three that was just mm-hmm. like I put on Twitter. I'm like, news alert! This guy's an all star. Yeah, he's uh, just he's 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 hit that extra level that we've been waiting him to hit. He's hit it now. So two things with uh, Saric, his uh, mid range game. I'm so glad he's shooting it because I've said before. He, he shoots the three, but he's just so inconsistent from there. And even when he's wide open, I just don't want him to shoot it. But as I was like writing, like Saric needs to work on his like um, shooting from the elbow, shooting 17 foot jumpers. He hit two of them, switch. Mm-hmm. Like easy, easy money, man. That's where I think he needs to stay. Yeah, that's his money. He needs spot. to improve on that. But he's already improved there. I feel like that's just his spot. He should definitely consistently stay there, get open, maybe run some screens around there. And, and then, you know, you don't have to be out at the three point line. Well, to that point, there's a play that they ran a couple times then, and they had different results. There's a high pick and roll with Aiton and Booker. And Booker's going to the basket. Aiton's rolling. And early in the game, it was a throw-up lob to Aiton, and it was a dunk. Well, then when they ran it later in the game, Aiton was taken away. And what happened? You have a weak-sized Sarch rolling to the top of the key, and then Booker throws it to him in that mid-range 17-foot spot. Swish. Yeah. I'm like, that's the play right there. That gives you three options. Booker scoring, Booker passing to Aiton for a score, or Booker hitting uh, Dario Sarge for a score. All high-percentage shots, in my opinion. And the most consistent thing I think I say on this podcast is Sarge is always playing his ass off, dude. Yes. And I can't get over this because he, I heard today on the way here that, you know, Kevin Love, he's not much more of a upgrade than Sarge because Sarge is just playing so hard. And once he gets rid of shooting so many threes, trying to take the ball down low, dribbling it down low, getting it taken away from him, and just shooting those quick, like he had a floater today or a floater last night in the game against the Spurs. Where it was just like a quick little floater, and he made it. I, it's just like little things like that. He needs to get rid of the ball quick. If he's wide open from the 17-foot s- spot, then just shoot that. You know, don't pass it around. Just shoot it, because that's where he's money from, dude. Uh, amen. And also, too, just really quick, the whole comment about Booker being the best. Booker is the best player out of those three. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Simmons, though, I was like, it's probably because Booker plays so hard, and he's just he wants to be the best. Ben Simmons... He's short on the shooting part. He doesn't shoot, but yeah. he still has that intensity. Yeah. So that's the big takeaway. It's like if he says he's better, the best player other than Ben Simmons he's played with, yeah. or better than him, that's huge. Because I think Ben Simmons is a real competitor, and he's one of the best games point guards. I know he's the size of a center, but yeah, he's, he's a great player. One of the best though. players I've ever seen. So yeah. that was awesome. Okay. That's how you get minutes. Okay. And EJ said this <laughs> That's too. That's how you get minutes. EJ said this too in this game when uh, I think it was, oh, C4, Carter. Yeah. He had the ball break away, but he turned around and gave it to Booker to yes. let him get two points. He's yes. just like, That's how you get more minutes. Amen. Yep. Amen. 
Uh, last note on the games of the week. Was this the first time that the Suns won in San Antonio since February 27th, 2013? I said, God damn, that's a long time that ago. Crazy. Let's go on to some weekly notes, uh, some things that happened around the Suns organization throughout the week. Wednesday morning, news broke that Larry Fitzgerald became a minority owner owner of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's cool. Um, I saw that, and then I also saw, is it true that Aaron Rodgers bought stock in the Bucks? He did that a while ago. He did it, okay. So him and Larry Fitzgerald are the only two yeah. active NFL players to own stock in an NBA team, which I think, I think it's is great. super cool. And it's the coolest thing, my favorite thing from it is when he had that commercial with Booker. It wasn't a commercial, but they were like playing basketball yeah. together. Yeah, And that just shows you how much I feel like Booker does love Phoenix, and he knows that we're going to get through all this. That's what I took from That's why I got excited. Well, but to that point, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is the most loved sports figure in Arizona sports history. I don't think that's even debatable at this point. Who's more loved than Larry Fitzgerald? This guy's been part of this community. He's been nothing but the most stand-up wide receiver in an era, an over almost 20-year era of prima donna, Antonio Browns, Chad Johnsons, mm-hmm. Terrell Owens. Larry Fitzgerald has played through all of that and done nothing but do it with class. Yeah. And seeing him like shooting hoops with Devin Booker, it's like that's who Booker kind of wants to be. I feel. I hope is to be that person for the Phoenix Suns organization. So bringing him in, I think, is is just super duper cool. You know, Larry just extended with the Arizona Cardinals to play again next season. Normally, it takes like till right up till the trade, or I'm sorry, the NFL draft for Larry to announce he's coming back. Like he did it like right away this year. The playoffs aren't even done in the NFL. He's like, oh, by the way, I'm coming back. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, by the way, I'm buying a part of the, the Phoenix Suns. I mean, it's it's super cool. And you knew this was going to happen eventually one day because I do remember watching a game last year where both him and Robert Sarver were at a John Morant game. And I just felt at that moment that Larry Fitzgerald was going to be attached to the Phoenix Suns, which makes me super excited. Yeah. I remember how excited I was in that moment, A, to see that, and B, to like, Still think that we had a chance at John Morant. Like mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and lastly, you know, this gives Sarver a little street cred. I feel, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, because he's somebody who obviously his image has been torn apart and tattered in the Phoenix community because he just hasn't produced a winner and uh-huh. is just kind of been tight with the money in trying to produce a winner. So yeah. Kelly Oubre re- removed himself from social media this week. I think it's great. I think it is too. Yeah, See, it's fantastic. I, I, I take it as a positive. I know it's like it's like everyone stop hating on him, but if that's what he needs to get away from being negative, the the negative part of the world, which is Twitter, the social media, Amen. then do it, dude. Amen. And he's all about. I don't know him, but like he's all about just being very. I feel like organic. Everything's just very even killed. Everything's not great, but he just. He wants to be happy. He wants to make people happy. Mm-hmm. So if there's any kind of negativity, he's going to steer away from it. So good. like, it ha- I don't think it has anything to do with the fans. I didn't see anything like anything like that was bad ever written about him. Like anything no, on Twitter. I no, know, I know that there's But maybe been a, there's a, a little stuff. Th- there's a couple there. little things here and there. You know, like people have been a little bit criti- uh, critical of his... Uh, play, you know, after you know a couple concussions, he had a bad, yeah. a bad game. So people are a little bit critical there. I think some trolls were critical of his fashion show, and that's something that's near and dear to his heart. So I think kind of a combination of those things is he's like, yo, I just need to get right in the yeah. in the head. He doesn't need it, and he doesn't. And I, and I think doesn't. it's such a mature move to do. Like if, if that's, that's not positive, and you need positivity, like step away from that stuff. Yeah, you know, the internet can be a dark, scary. He doesn't. Place. He doesn't need it. He's no, already. No. Yeah, he can be seen. On live TV. All right, one more thing I have for a weekly note. At what point do we bring up Jalen LeCue? 
he's been balling out down in uh, the G League. You know, yeah. I know that. I mean, it's like 13 points. You know, his assist numbers and all the, you know, his metrics aren't really there. But when you watch him, he's six foot four. He's 19 years old, and he's just exciting to watch. He's got kind of that baby Westbrook look to him. You know, mm-hmm. shout out to Mitchell Latham for calling that one out when I was talking yeah. to him about it. And I just thought it was really, really cool to see on those highlights. And, you know, why not send Ty Jerome back down there and bring up LeCue? You know, get him in some minutes. I think it'd be fun. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts, if this season were to take a dump and people start sitting out, then yeah, of course it's going to happen. That's what usually happens with the Suns. We start seeing these guys come up and they go back down. Um, You just don't have room. I think I don't want it to happen right now just because I don't want Ty Jerome to leave because I feel like he's still getting some minutes. Yeah. And I feel like he just needs his confidence back. Because he had a couple good games when he first started with the Suns. And then ever since then, it's just been shit. Yeah. So I think he just needs his confidence back. He's been playing a little bit. to give, And he's made a couple good plays. Yeah. So I feel There's like he, he's still there. the better player. Because we still need that backup point guard, man. So Jalen LeCue. Yeah, but... I know. I you got to confi- you you finish, you you finish developing one before Maybe. you bring in another. I don't I get know. What Maybe you're they're saying. interchangeable. But I don't, I just what I think would happen, though, is if he came in... Like, like you, he would do great, but then do what Ty Jerome does or is doing, where it's just yeah. gonna, he can't play. Again. Back, back to the con- inconsistency. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's it's not even all star break. Usually, people are players that are like two way contracts. They yeah. don't start coming out till like what the 60th game of the season and stuff. If we suck, true, and we don't suck yet. True, not as bad. No, no, you're right. Fun facts for the week. Uh, the positive is the Suns are the fifth highest scoring team in the fourth quarter in the NBA, averaging 28.4 points in the fourth quarter. That's that's awesome. That's impressive. They but, always finish halves really good. Yes. That's one thing they do well. Yes. Unless they lose, they don't finish halves very well. That's, I mean, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Thanks, Booger McFarland yeah. over there. Uh, the negative fun fact of the week is the Suns are now 29th in the league in opposing three-point percentage in the fourth quarter, letting the opposition shoot 38.7%. So we've talked some fun facts. Now let's talk a little All-Star game. What do you got on the All-Star game, Matthew? This is before... When when are the reserves announced? January 30th. Okay. Yeah. Do you think... I already know Booker's going to be an All-Star. I hope so. But why do people say he is? Like he's going to be an All-Star because... He actually, if you look it up, he was eighth in fan vote, but also fourth in player rank and then fourth in media. And I guess there's the coaches that have to decide too overall. The coaches aren't going to not vote Booker in. True, but like media goes one, two, three, four, and then everybody else is a four. Yeah. So like I don't really worry about media too much because they've pretty much tried to vote for the top two guys to get in. Oh, okay, okay. But coach, or I mean, I'm sorry, player is yeah. really important. And he got fourth in that. Yeah, so he's, he's going to make it because honestly... Carmelo, Paul George. Paul George will probably make it, but then you also got Paul uh, Carmelo. Brandon Ingram's going to make it. Then you got Jokic, too, as well. But Booker will probably be the 11th or 12th guy in. So I'm not I'm not sweating it. Are you, like, worried like a lot of other people? I I think I am, you know. Booker's definitely, in my eyes, an all-star. But, again, you got to look at who he's kind of going up against. And I was looking at something the other day, looking at what they, the guys on NBA on TNT say. And you look at EJ, and he said, all right, here's the last guys to make the team. Chris Paul, Dame Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Jokic, and then Ingram. Okay? Kenny said pretty much the same exact guys. Shaq said the same exact guys. The only guy who has Booker getting in is is Chuck. Mm -hmm. You know? So, again, I think he's there. I think he should be there. One thing that I've always kind of been frustrated with is the good stats, bad team guy. 
you know, Booker's been one of those guys who's a good stats, bad team guy and hasn't made the all-star game because of it over the past couple years. He's putting up the stats and we're not a bad team this year. You know, Trey Young's team's won what, 11 games and he's a starter. Yeah, and I've I've never really cared about that. The thing is, though, with Booker, but the media does. But the media, how many how many times do you see Trey Young on the TV more than Booker or the Suns? Always, all Always. the time. Oh yeah, even though they've the only nutmegger. If you've if you've seen them play, you wouldn't even know they have only won eleven games. Like, oh, I know. But the thing is, with Trey Young, do you fear him? Like when he's on the court, I do. Like, I do. Last time the Suns played him, it, it was like we thought. He, yeah, we thought he was going to be out, and we didn't have Rubio. And we're like, oh wait, Trey Young's playing. It's like, okay, that sucks. Yep. The thing is with Booker, he's never been feared till this year. The last four years, I feel like you're playing the Suns. You're just playing the Suns. Yeah. You're not really worried. I know Booker can score, but you're not worried about him beating you. Trey Young is a dude like I. I'm going to fear. Plus, if you look in the East. There's not a whole lot of guards. There's not a whole lot of backcourt guys that would go over Trey Young. Like Trey Young's finished number one. Yeah. Then you got Kimball Walker, which is deserving. Yeah. Kyrie hasn't even played. Yeah. Derek and Rose, Rose six year <laughs> six role or six man. Yeah. So then Kyle Lowry's been decent. Zach Levine, no. Ben Simmons is surprising. Yeah. But still can't score the ball. But by then, yeah, you're not gonna make the so team. So it's like if Bradley Beal. Yeah. So if this was Booker was playing in the East, he would have already been an All Star the last three years. I feel like. Yeah. But he's just never been a guy. If Clay and Steph were in the yeah, conversation, he, yeah, he wouldn't be in again. Yeah, there's too many guards in the West. So until the Suns get the recognition, just playing. They have um, to earn that recognition. They, they have to earn it. They have to win, obviously, but that's what we have to do. I'm not, I'm actually, I'm happy for Trey Young. I think he's a great player, dude. He's averaging 30 points, like 10 assists. Like for him not to be an all star, I think it would be ridiculous. To be a starter, maybe is a little weird, but I feel like he's deserved to be an all star. And I don't understand why people are so. Well, if Trey Young's made it, how come Booker didn't make the last three? Because no one feared Booker. This, I'm, this I'm year, one of those people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've been that guy. Or we've been those people. This year is where it's like Booker is just. He's went up the notch. He needs to be an all-star. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, between him being an all-star and a superstar or a star, he's not even an all-star yet. So how can you say this guy's a superstar? He has to be an all-star. Yeah. To be a superstar, you have to win 50 games. Bill Simmons brought, broke it down where it's like you have to get your get your team into contention of the playoffs, mm-hmm. win 50 games, oh, yeah. win a playoff series, then you can then you can be a superstar. Yeah. And even like Doncic, he's an all-star. He's already an all-star, yeah. and he is going to be a star. He is a star right now, but he's not a superstar. He yeah, still he, needs but, a win. But he's taking his team to the he playoffs is. now. They're the fifth seed. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, the season's not done yet. Yeah. So if, maybe a second full season, you could say he's a superstar. If he goes to the playoffs, wins a series, then he is. But the thing is with Booker, he's not an all-star yet. I think he's going to be because this is the year. I hope so. We got lucky this year with Clay and Steph being out. So if he's not this year, it's like he needs a win. 30 games before the All-Star break for him to be a, for him to be an All-Star. Mm-hmm. And when we record this podcast this time next week, we'll know. Yeah. Whether or not know, he's an right? All-Star. Yeah, I'm nervous a little bit. I am too. But I, I think he's already in. I think he's in. Uh, I'm making he, the sign of the cross. He'll be in over Chris so. Paul. Well, that's it on our weekly notes. Uh before we get into our week 15 preview, Matthew's got a special segment. It's Matthew's roster rundown. Yeah, this is a player-by-player eye test rundown. Basically, it's not based off of stats. It's me being at the games, watching it on TV, what I think a player should do to improve or what he should not do to let his team down. It's just things that I'm like, you did this. This is very simple, sixth-grader stuff. Okay. You did this. 
<laughs> you did this and this is why your team's losing. But it's also things like I'm I'm very happy about. So it's not all the players, it's just I'm gonna every week I just wanna go through the players that are actually playing, obviously. Okay. Uh so let's go with Booker first. Booker um, he's playing the most efficient all-around game in the NBA, I feel like, and he's getting to that level. Besides LeBron, yeah, I, I know that's weird to say, but from what I've seen, that's what I that's what I think. Okay. Uh, figure out a way to get your confidence back in your three. Yeah, and that'd also, be nice. Yeah, and hold back. The only thing is the frustration he gets in those hard fouls. I know we had, I think the refs screwed us over in the Spurs game, but he had some stupid fouls. Oh Where no, he, he did. He, he would, did. He, he was trying to set people up. He would for run, charges. Down and, run down his SWAT. His SWAT, foul. yeah. That's the only he thing did it I to think. Himself. Yeah, he's holding them back. All right, next we got up is uh, Rubio. Papa, he, Papa Ricky. Yeah, the only thing is, he ever since he's been a Papa Ricky, hasn't been that much of Papa in the, you know, the <laughs> sack lately. On the court? Oh, on the court. <laughs> whoa, I mean. whoa. So <laughs> keep the dribble alive. Find a way to get eight in the ball. I feel like him and Aiden should start getting into sync, but I'm not seeing that yet. And maybe it is Aiden, but I feel like. Give him the ball, dude. So some of his alley oops are like behind him. They're not. They're too Even, high. Exactly. So I think it's with the kids. Something's going on. So I'll, I'll lay off of him. I always feel bad for for Rubio a little bit, but it's that breastfeeding, it, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you see them doing push ups in the locker room after the game? No. And Ricky's like, "How many are we doing?" He's all just, "How many?" <laughs> no. All right. So next. No, goes. I did not. <laughs> all right, here we go. <laughs> this is a great segment. All right, so um, next up is Aiton. Uh, wide open jump shot, fine. Um, he's also, I feel like, his turnaround jump shot, I like a lot. Um, but I feel like he just needs to work on his moves, get into the hoop, like we saw with Sabonis. Sabonis had a lot of really good fancy footwork. That's the thing with Aiton, I feel like he has, but just needs to do it in the game. Like, I would rather see him, like, practice some moves in the game. If you turn it over, that's fine, but I feel like if you do it, you're not going to turn it over. You're going to get to the rim and get fouled. Or make the shot. No, I'm so with you. So what do you think? I feel like a lot of times when the entry pass comes to him, rather than try to work on his footwork, yeah. his first step is away from the basket. Yes. He catches the ball and he takes a step away from he the does. basket. And then he wants to turn around and he'll make a decision yeah. from there to shoot, but he's already given up the dribble. Yeah. So yeah, get the ball where you get it, turn around, and then start to work on your footwork. I no, I'm agree. glad you brought that up because that's something I noticed too as well. Um, all right, Ubre. thank you for getting off social media. I would too if I wasn't on the podcast. <laughs> Keep taking the ball to the rim. Um, there's one thing that he lost. I always thought he had the best like little jump shot where he would rise above the crowd mm-hmm. and shoot it. Like He was the best at that. He's gotten away from that. He's shooting too many threes. He is, and I feel like he's trying to lay the ball up too much. Yeah. When he should just like do that pop, the stop and pop jump shot. Yeah, he, like the little six-footer. Yeah, he yeah. did that. It was so good. All right, next, Sarge, the mid-range game. Continue on that. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Yeah, we talked about it. All right, so <laughs> Bridges, always be aggressive. I feel like his arms are too long to wear... When he gets to the rim, he's always going to get a decent look at the rim, and he'll surprise you. You can get up and under people. Uh, Carter, I feel like, honestly, I've never been a big fan, but I like it when he runs the screens and gets open for threes, and that's all he needs to do. Mm-hmm. Just run the screens, get open for threes. Okobo, pick and roll, um, but I feel like he doesn't very hits the guy in stride. He just goes up and throws up a terrible shot yeah. and stops shooting threes. Um, I feel like just try to find a way to get the other guy the ball. That's what you need to focus on. Funny story. The rest he of the hit, team. He hit our our first three against yes, the Pacers like a freaking moonshot. It like went through. I feel like a portal or something, yes. and it came in from like the seventies. And yeah, that's what his I jump shot know. looks. like. It's like Jackie Moon <laughs> from yeah, Tropic that's Thunder. That's exactly what it looks like. Or not Tropic Thunder. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying out there. Yeah, the one that no one remembers. Yeah, uh, no, I remember. Semi pro. Uh, yeah, and then last guy is Diallo. I feel like he's uh, playing smart on offense. I just wish he'd get more time to I just play. wish he'd get more time, but I feel like he's a smart player. 
And that's my rundown, dude. I like that. The Matthew, I mean, it was okay. The Paul Lissy roster rundown. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. Last but not least, we're just going to go through our Week 15 preview, some of the games that we have upcoming this week. We have three games this week, and we start on the road at Memphis on Sunday at 4 p.m. We're playing the Grizzlies, who are currently the eighth seed in the Western Conference. They're 21-24. and 24. We're currently 1-2 and two against them on the year, and this is going to be our last meeting against them. And they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. This is a hot team right now. Morant is looking really, really good. What are your thoughts on him so far this year? When I talked about earlier with Trey Young, people that are feared, John Morant's already feared. And first year, he's going to be rookie of the year. So I think they're just playing to their strengths, man. They got a big dude that can shoot the three. He's shooting like 45% from three and JJJ, Jaron Jackson Jr. Yep, yep. Dude, like, I fear him. I fear him as much as Trey Young, but um, this is something that the Suns have to face again. Some guy that I wish we had. Jaron Jackson Jr., maybe not because we got Aiden, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, we have to see... John Morant. Yeah. Sucks. Wanted that pick. <laughs> yeah, I wanted that pick too. Yeah. You know, and this is one of those games where we'll see if they've really turned that mental corner yeah. and bring the t- the mental toughness because, you know, this is, a, this is a good game to go out there and win. You win this one on the road against yes. the A seed. I mean, and the you, Suns are better on the road. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And you'll really start to catch the attention of some national people if you start to win some of these games. Uh, following that on Tuesday at 6 30, we play the Dallas Mavericks. They are 28-16 and the fifth seed in the Western Conference. Currently, so far, we've only played them one time, and we lost. And we have three more games against them, including this one. Uh, So I just hope that everybody is prepared to hear Matthew talk about Luka on next week's podcast. You ready to talk (laughs) Luka next week? Yeah. Yeah, You're going to have to. I know. Here's a fun fact. You want to know this one? What's up? The Suns are 0-5 when playing on Tuesday this season. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> so <laughs> thank you <laughs> there you go there's a yeah. fun fact for you uh the last game that we have uh in week 15 will be at home against the oklahoma city thunder they're 27 and 19 in the seventh seed uh in the west and we play them friday at seven and we are zero one against them so far this season and this is our second of three games against them so again another opportunity to beat a team that is leading us in the standings yeah you know, so I mean, this is a good, it's a big week upcoming. Uh, all the games are in our conference, and they're all you know teams that we're trailing right now. We're trying yeah. to get that playoff spot. It You're playing matters. the fringe teams right now. You're playing the seventh seed, the yeah. eighth seed, and the fifth seed. You know, so you go out there and and you beat some Western Conference teams, and good things will start to happen. Yeah, the Suns so far this season are ten and twenty against Western Conference teams. So it's time to really change well, that. That's what we expected. Yeah, well, I I Tough want road. I want more now. I want more. You know. So, uh, upcoming podcast that we have this week on the Solar Report, uh, we have Trade Time Volume 4 on Tuesday, and then my top three Phoenix Suns nicknames will be dropping on Thursday, so that'll be a fun one to tune into. So, uh, you know, I'd just like to thank everybody again for tuning in and supporting the Solar Report podcast. Uh, we do have some pretty exciting changes coming up in the next couple of weeks, so, you know, to all of our loyal listeners, thank you for pressing play and hanging out with us every week and you know we hope to welcome some more listeners as we get ready to uh, change a couple things around the solar report Mm -hmm. so you know that's all i got for this week you know again it was in i guess in summary week 14 turned out better than i thought it was going to starting 0 and 2 i thought that we were kind of go 0 3 i'm like man this is going to be tough winning and especially beating the beating the spurs just feels good it does you know so i hope that 
we're sitting here next week, and again, you know, I want one of those undefeated weeks, man. Yeah. You know, we've yet to have one on this podcast where we come in here and we go, you know what? We didn't lose a game since we talked to you last. And if they go 0 and 3, we're going to sit here in silence for an hour and maybe fart once in a while. Yeah. Like, and you're I just going to have to talk. You're going to have to pick out what yeah. time the fart is going to come yeah. in. And knowing Matthew, the over under is probably about three minutes. So, minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, uh, that's it, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Matthew, you got anything else for the folks? Uh, just go home and love your family. Word up. Take care, everybody. 